0: So if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. We're so glad that you're here. I want to welcome our Bellingham campus, our Ferndale campus, as well as all those who are watching online as well. Thank you so much for being with us. We have uh, two announcements that I'd really like to make to uh, all of the different campuses because both of these are very important. On Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we're going to be having a commissioning service up on the second floor for Jason Hubbard. Jason was a faithful member of our pastoral team for more than nine years, and as now God has called Jason out, and he has become the director of the Light of the World Prayer Center here in Bellingham. And so on Sunday evening at 6, we're just inviting anybody that would like to come uh, to affirm Jason, lay hands on him. We're going to pray for him and commission him. It's going to be a wonderful time. In your program at both campuses, if you'll open that up and pull out that little green envelope, I'd like to talk about that for just a few moments. Every year around this time, the Christ the King family reaches out to people who have been devastated over the past year. People who have been devastated by medical circumstance, could be the possible foreclosure of their home, could be the lack of food, it could be a lot of different things. And every year we do something called the CTK Blessing around this time of year where we as a group of people come together and we become miracles in somebody else's life. That's what this is really all about. And this year, instead of creating a video of one of the families that you have been able to help over the past year, we've created kind of an online scrapbook. I'm gonna ask the people in the control room to help me out here just a little bit. If you'd like to access this and and learn more about the CTK Blessing, what you do is you open up ctkbellingham.com And then you can either click on the green banner, that blessing ad that shows up, or down at the bottom there on the latest church news. And when you click on those two areas, you're going to see a red leather book cover just kind of show up. There it is. And if you can click on that as well, a new window's going to open, and inside there are some interactive scrapbook stories of some families that you've been able to help over the past year you can flip back and forth you can zoom in and out whatever you need to do and I'd like to to just read for you one of the stories of a family that you touched because of the blessing last year it says this Jeremy and Roxanne Burgoon met at Christian college in the Midwest they married in 1997 but admit that they simply weren't living for God by 2008 they were in financial ruin and were ready for a fresh start away from their home in Minnesota So they relocated to Bellingham, and soon after they moved, the family went out to eat at a popular pancake spot. The waitress engaged the family in conversation, revealing that she attended Christ the King Community Church. And it was through her that Roxanne established contact, a friendship, and the family began attending CTK here in 08. October 2008, the family recommitted their lives to Jesus Christ. But by February of 2009, with Jeremy still unable to find work and Roxanne as the sole supporter of their family, They were unable to pay their bills, had no food, and were desperate. So Jeremy's mentor called the Christ the King care team director. Her name is Lindy. And as Jeremy says, she wanted to tackle the foundation of our family, not just give us a handout. This was the first time Jeremy had revealed to anyone the extent of his financial mess. And when Christ the King asked if he'd be willing to do the hard work to get back on track, through a lot of tears, he simply said, yes care team was able to arrange an emergency meeting with a qualified budget counselor, and in the weeks that followed, the family received from Christ the King the help they needed, rent and utility assistance, bags of groceries, budget counseling and financial classes, men to surround, teach and pray for Jeremy in 12-step classes that changed his life. Without the generosity of people at CTK who gave to the Christ the King blessing, the Bragoon story may have had a very different ending. After months of weekly visits, the Burgoons budget counselor told Christ the King in her five years of counseling, she had never met a couple who was so motivated and dedicated to fixing their situation. Jeremy just landed a full-time job in his field. He started work the week of October the 19th, and he says, God used that year to do a lot of work in me, and now it's time for me to work, Jeremy said proudly as he reflects on his full-time year as a father. Our journey to wholeness began with Pancakes. That's a story that you helped make happen because a group of people who have been deeply blessed as a whole decided to look beyond themselves and sacrificially give to some families who just desperately, desperately, desperately needed somebody to care. And this year is no different. In fact, this year, it may be even more important. This year is part of the blessing. We're going to be helping families like this. Our goal is about $80,000. Last year, we received about $45,000. And we're asking you to consider this as above and beyond giving. This is not, if you just take your tithe check and slam it in this envelope, we're going to be in a world of hurt in a whole bunch of other areas. This is above and beyond. This is between you and God, just figuring out what it is that you want to do. Our biggest bulk of the gift this year is going to go to scholarship people because we believe the greatest thing we can offer anybody is not groceries, it's Jesus. Which means we want to be able to never turn a family away from Awana because they can't afford a t-shirt or a Bible. We don't ever want to turn somebody away from a 12-step program that could change their life because they can't afford to buy a book. This is our opportunity as a family to step above and beyond at Thanksgiving time. And thank God for how much He's blessed us and to be a miracle in somebody else's life. And I'm just going to encourage you to think about it. Pray about it, and you do whatever it is that God tells you to do. It's between you and Him, not between you and me. All right? All right. I traveled this past week to do some remote work, and uh, when I arrived at my destination, I walked up to the car rental counter and I saw a guy standing there who's wearing a name tag that said Ralph on it. So I said, Hi, Ralph. And he went, Ding, 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 you're a winner. I went, I am a winner. What did I win? Right? He said I do this cool thing. He goes, "When I start my shift, the first person who calls me by my name, my first name, they get a free car upgrade." I'm thinking, "That's awesome because I travel cheap. I mean, I'm a cheap date, right? I rent Geo Metros. That's how it rolls for me, all right?" And so, he's just like he's doing an upgrade. Ralph gave me a brand new 2010 pearl white Ford Mustang. With leather seats, custom sound, a custom sound system, and seat warmers to boot. I mean, it was an awesome car. And the second I got that car, I was tempted. I was tempted with pride because I was taking pictures of it and sending them home to my kid. Look what your dad's driving, right? I was tempted to covet because I have no idea why God would give dollar rent a car, that car, when he could have given it to me. And I'm so available to drive it right now, too, you know? I was tempted to steal Just turn that baby on, point it towards Washington, and keep on driving, right? Call it a gift from God, all right? When I turned the key to that engine, I was tempted to break the law so bad because I just wanted to go really, 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 really fast. I mean, I was tempted in that moment, and I felt like temptation was going to win. I'd like to introduce you to a group of kids who were tempted with a certain scenario, Maybe you can relate to them, maybe you can't, but I'm pretty sure that you possibly can. Let's take a look at the screens and watch this together. Okay, in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now when i come back i'll give you two, another so then you'll have two but stay in here and stay in the chair till i come back okay, okay. all right <laughs> i'm going to go do something and then i'll come back it smells yummy Good. leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need him. <laughs> yeah, wow. We face temptation every day. The temptation to compromise, the temptation to be a hypocrite. Temptation to take the easy way through instead of the hard way. The temptation to, to define ourselves by somebody else's standards as opposed to God's standards. The, the temptation to settle. The temptation to just give up, and with that comes our lie for tonight, which says this the lie is the temptation always wins. Always wins. And the lie the temptation always wins that causes us to give up the fight, to, to just give in, to stop the struggle against sin, and to be just like everybody else. We buy Satan's lie, and it sounds like this: resistance is futile. Stop trying. You can't win anyway. It's only a matter of time till you lose. That's the lie, but let's speak the truth. Because the Bible says this truth is true, that temptation can be defeated through the power of Jesus. The Bible has so much to say to us about temptation, it's encouraging. So let's go to the Word. James chapter 1, the Bible says this, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, grown, gives birth to death. I mean, what can we learn about temptation just from those few verses? Here's the first point. Temptation does not come from God, all right? Your desire to eat nine Big Macs in one sitting, that does not come from Jesus. Your desire to accumulate as much as earthly wealth as you possibly can, and then allow it, to leave it behind so that your neighbors and your family is going to fight over it after you're dead, that doesn't come from Jesus. Your desire to be a beer pong champion does not come from Jesus. Do we understand? Well, temptation comes from the enemy of our soul who just desperately wants you to compromise, to, to settle, to allow the easy way to creep in. Secondly, temptation is rooted in our own evil desires, I mean, temptation comes from the enemy, but it actually starts with us. We all have a sin nature that we battle with, that, that has this just draw inside of us that, that makes us to a, come to a point where we're all prone to kind of look and long, to stare and to covet, to, to lust and objectify, to, to demean and, and destroy. It's rooted in our own evil desires, third little truth from this little passage is that temptation is a process. If you look at James, the teaching there, you see desire and then some enticement and then a little bit more desire and then eventually sin because somebody makes a decision and ultimately it ends in death. I used to fish with my grandpa. We used to fish for northern pike in northern Manitoba. Northern pike are tough fish. They're not wussy like a bass or, or something like that. They're tough. I mean, you've actually got to put a steel leader on your line, otherwise they'll just snap off filament line like it's nothing. My grandpa and I used to fish together, and those fish were tough, but they were dumb. I mean, these weren't very bright. I mean, the best thing to catch a pike on is a silver spoon with a chunk of pike hanging off of it, right? I mean, they don't even know that you've caught their brother already, and that's the best thing that just lures them in. And they would hang back in the reeds, and so we would drop our hook right on the edge of the weeds, and... They would hear that little plop and, and way off in their little fish brain, they'd hear that, you know, what was that? <laughs> oh, it's a shiny thing with a piece of something hanging from it. I'm going to go take a look at that thing over there. I have no idea why I'm talking with a southern accent, but it's just funny in the story, all right? Except it's in Manitoba, so um, there's something over there, eh? I got to go check it out, eh? All right, okay. But they'd swim by, you know, and they'd bump it with their nose and... And then they kind of come back around it again and they'd smell it again and just think to themselves, you know, that kind of smells like my brother. I never liked my brother, never did. So, chop, and all of a sudden, in the boat, in the pan, cooked. And we laugh at that and go, yeah, dumb fish. And then we sit at our computer and we look at the screen for a really long time. Kind of run our finger over the keyboard. We look around to see who's watching and then we, We type something into Google just to see what pops up, and we browse the headings, and we put the mouse over top of the link, we raise our finger over top of the button, and we swallow real deep, and then we click, and we're cooked in shame, guilt, and the devil serves up a side of condemnation just for fun. It's the way it works, isn't it? It's a process. And all the way along, Jesus keeps calling on us to call on Him to invite us into the situation so that we can stand against the temptation and do the holy thing, not the sin thing. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What can we learn about temptation from First Corinthians 10? First point is this. If you think you're immune to temptation, you're wrong. You're wrong. When we, when we start talking about temptation, it's no time to get cocky. I mean, God says if you think you're immune, if you think your Bible's so big that it's gonna outweigh temptation, that you've got enough knowledge crammed inside of your head that you're never ever going to fall, if you think that that you're just so spiritually holy that you're absolutely bulletproof, God says you're fooling yourself. Temptation's common to everybody. We all deal with it at some level. In fact, God would go so far as to say if you think that you can't fall, you just got tempted by pride and you lost because you're not that good. None of us are. Second point out of 1 Corinthians 10 is the temptation happens to everybody. It's common. Everyone deals with it. If you say you don't deal with it, you're lying. You're lying. We may be tempted by different things, but we're all tempted at some level, and we need to be on guard against that temptation. And thirdly, this little point. God never allows more temptation than we can handle. Some of you remember a message from a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the lie that says God will never give you more than you can handle. And we showed from Scripture that that's not a true statement. And some of you over the last couple of weeks have been hearing people say, God's never going to give me more than you can. Didn't it drive you nuts now how many times you hear it? It's everywhere. If you think I'm being a heretic, go back to the message. You might be surprised what the Bible actually says about that. God promises He'll never give us more temptation than we can handle. Even though it feels like we're going to snap, God says His strength will prevail if we will invite Him into the situation and resist the temptation to say these famous last words, I can handle it. None of us can handle it. You can't even handle your Facebook account. Give me a break, all right? You can't handle temptation it's too big, it's too strong. So, that if we can't handle it, what in the world are we supposed to do? Well, here's the fourth little point there. When we're tempted, God always provides a way out. I actually listed some options of the ways God provides ways out when we're actually being tempted. The first way may be a door. I mean, think about it. You walk into a situation, and suddenly you're tempted. If you entered by a door into a situation where you were surrounded by temptation, it would logically play in your mind that you could reverse course, go back out the same door, because if temptation's on one side, safety's probably on the other. You may need to retrace your steps to find God's way out. I mean, think about the door. It could be the the door to an unethical opportunity. It could be the door to your girlfriend's apartment. It could be a door to to your mind and opening it to thoughts you know shouldn't be there. It could be the door of a casino, the door of a bar, the door of a store. I mean, let's make sure we are an equal opportunity offender tonight. How about the door of your refrigerator? The door swings both ways, and we need the discernment to know which way God wants us to go. Your way out may be the same door that you walked in through. Secondly, it could be a button. I'm going to turn something on and immediately my my eyes are confronted with an image and I go, I don't need to see that. My ears hear something, I don't need to hear that. And in that moment, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to open myself up to this temptation or am I going to take a step above the mental capacity of a monkey, make a decision and knowing that I could turn it on, I can also turn it off. That button goes both directions. Here's the third way God sometimes provides a way out. It's a sprint. The Bible tells us the story of a young man named Joseph who was working for a guy named Potiphar. I'll say this as nicely as I can. Potiphar's wife had the hots for Joseph. That's as best as I can say it. Joseph walks into a room one day. Potiphar's wife is waiting for him. Makes herself fully available. As far as I'm going with that one. Actually reaches out, grabs a hold of Joseph's cloak And the Bible says that that godly young man did the unthinkable. He ran. In fact, the Bible actually describes he ran so fast and with such force out of the room, he actually left his clothes hanging in the lady's hand. Do you know what that means? It means this. Joseph would rather be embarrassed than compromise. He would rather stand firm than get caught in that situation. Sometimes, my friends, you just gotta run. The Bible says we're supposed to flee sexual immorality. That means if we actually have some character and integrity and we're caught in that situation, we may need to flat out four by 440 it right out of the door, because that's where safety's gonna be waiting for us. What do we do on the other side of it? We stay, we hover, we look, we check it out. You know what that is? That's the enticement of James. Another way out may be a moment of clarity. God always gives us a moment to think about what we're putting at risk when we choose to compromise. God always gives us a moment to stop and think about do we really want to give up the track record of sobriety that we've worked so hard that God has given so much grace in? Do we just want to flush that? Do do we want to give up the track record of purity? Do do we want to just let all of that go? Do we want to sacrifice our ethics, our integrity? In a moment of clarity, we have a simple choice. We can commit or we can compromise. Jesus says, commit. Commit. Another way out may be a plan for accountability. I was traveling this week. I have six people in my life to whom I am accountable for my actions. They're going to ask me this week when we get together whether I was pure Whether I lived a life that was worthy of calling, and if I compromised. I could choose to be tempted to lie to them, but that would do absolutely no good, would it? Accountability only works if you're willing to tell the truth. I've invited them all to ask those questions because I believe those questions are worth asking. Another way out may be a desperate prayer. There is no substitute for an honest, gut wrenching prayer for help. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Jesus, I'm kind of stuck here. So, would you just help me out for a minute while I hang out right here in the temptation? Because I have no reason really to leave. That's not what I'm talking about. I can think a moment in my life when I prayed, God, I'm weak. I need divine intervention right now. I know that I am not my own. I know that I am bought with a price. I know the only thing that's good in me is Jesus. I know the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So God, give me the grace and the strength to stand in this moment of weakness. I choose to put on the full armor of God so that I can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. In this moment of temptation, I choose holiness. I choose righteousness. I choose Jesus because I have no other option. That's the desperate prayer of somebody that's being tempted. And there's nothing wrong with that. Finally, the way out may be through a spiritual discipline. When we're faced with temptation, we've got to, we must go to what we know is going to work. And Scripture says, when you are battling, you're to go to the Word. You're to always go to the Word. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, and the devil encouraged him to break his fast... Look after his flesh in that moment. Take care of his own hunger by turning stone into bread. This is what Jesus said Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When you're weak, you've got to go to a food source that's going to give you strength. It could be scripture, it could be fasting. It could be solitude, it could be worship, it could be prayer. All of those will give us strength when we are battling temptation. In fact, I put a little question in your outline. I think it's worth answering. What's the most powerful weapon against temptation? Well, the Bible tells us it's prayer. Luke chapter 22. The friends of Jesus are hanging out in a garden. Jesus knows in a very short amount of time they're going to be tempted to abandon him, to pretend that they've never even known him, because Jesus is on his way to the cross. And Jesus says this to his friends pray that you will not fall into temptation. That seems so elementary, and yet it's so profound. I want us to notice something about the prayer here. The prayer that's encouraged here, it's preemptive. It means this. My brothers and my sisters, you've got to be prayed up before you go out there because you being tempted is a question, is not a question of if, it's a question of when. Prayed up. Worshipped up. Fasted up. Whatever it is that you need to do to draw close to him because the Bible promises if you draw close to him, he will draw near to you. You, even when you're being tempted. We saturate ourselves on the front end so we're not overwhelmed in the moment. Let's take a look at one more section. Let me read some encouraging words from Hebrews 2 and Hebrews 4. The Bible says this, for this reason, he, being Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Listen to Hebrews 4, it says this, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible's already taught us so much about temptation, but what can we learn about God when we're being tempted? Three tiny little points. First one is this. Jesus wants to help us have victory over the temptation. And friends, do we truly understand this? Jesus doesn't want you to lose to temptation. Jesus wants you to win. He wants you to be triumphant. He wants you to be able to stand in a moment, resist what the enemy comes to you, and be confident enough to say, I know a lie when I see one. You dirty, rotten snake. You keep throwing the same stuff in me over and over and over again. Well, I've got a word for you that's sponsored by Jesus. And the word is, no! I mean, just think about that just for a second. Jesus doesn't want us to live with the shame of letting temptation triumph over us. He doesn't want us to lose this battle. He wants you to be victorious in this. When you get squeezed with temptation, He wants the word just to come babbling off the top of your lips. Just say, you know what, you snake, greater is He. I need to listen to you. You're boring. You're old. It's the same stuff over and over and over again. And I may have fallen for it once, but by God's grace, I've been forgiven, and you don't get to get me that easy again. Secondly, Jesus experienced temptation firsthand. He understands this battle. He fought it and won. Jesus knows the temptation can be defeated because he actually defeated it. The Bible says he was without sin. Some of us hear that and we go, yeah, but I'm not without sin. Jesus triumphed over it, but I'm human. He's God, I'm human. I can't possibly stand up underneath of it. In that moment, you've got a choice to make. Knowing that it's coming, you can either stand with him or without him. Which one would you pick? How amazing to think that Jesus wants to stand with us in that fight. Knowing that he's already been there. And already won find a little point in your outline is that God invites us to the throne room to find grace and mercy. When we're tempted, Jesus doesn't say, "You just go over there and handle it on your own. You let me know how it goes for you." Jesus says, "When you're tempted, you come closer. You step into my throne room. You worship and pray, you struggle away, and I will give you grace and mercy in your deep time of need there's a choice and a decision to make when it comes to temptation my prayer is that you'll make the decision to run to Jesus knowing that you'll find mercy there in the face of temptation been a pastor for 20 plus years you'd think after 20 years of working on this one that temptation would get less it doesn't In fact, you need to know something. If you're on track with Jesus and going the right way, you're probably going to face more. Because the devil doesn't focus on anybody that he doesn't care about. I'm not saying I'm a big threat. I'm saying this. Seems like the longer I do this, the more temptation hangs around. And yet the promises of God are true. The strength of God is unchanged. The power of God to say no to temptation comes from a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that gave Joseph the strength to be able to run out of that house instead of compromise. The same God who stood alongside of David when I'm sure he was tempted to be terrified. The same God who came and stood beside Moses when he was tempted to turn tail and run in the midst of God's project. That same God wants to stand alongside of you because this week, somebody in this room is going to be tempted to take money under the table at your job because it just seems to be way easier, doesn't it? Somebody in this room is going to be tempted to anesthetize your pain. And to run back to a bottle or a needle because it just feels like it'll make it go away just for a little while. Somebody in this room is going to be tempted to compromise themselves morally. Nobody's immune. We all have this battle. It's not going anywhere until we get home. When we get home, it'll be different. Because then we'll be in the throne room. In the meantime, here's our option we can fall underneath of it, or we can go to the same throne room that we're going to spend eternity in and say, Jesus, I just need your strength to stand firm. When we're tempted, it basically comes down to this it's a choice between the lesser and the easier, or the greater and the eternal. This side belongs to the enemy. This side belongs to God. And He wants us to choose this. If you're here today, I don't know how you handle temptation without Jesus. I don't. I tried it for a while, I lost every time because there was no courage. My prayer, if you're here today and don't know Jesus, is that you'll understand, that you'll resist the temptation to think that God's somehow not telling you the truth. Because that's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus says, I want to stand with you in your temptation. I want to help you be strong. I want to help you live triumphant. And my prayer is, if today you don't know him, That today you'll open up your heart to Him, knowing that He wants to stand with you, even in your greatest moments of weakness. My brothers and sisters, believers, my prayer tonight is that we'll not take temptation lightly, no matter how long we've been doing this journey. My prayer is that we will passionately, as a group of people, love what God loves. And hate what God hates. So in a moment, we're going to pray. I wasn't planning on closing this way, but I think we're going to. We're going to pray, and for some of you, this is going to be very personal. And if you're not battling temptation tonight, would you pray for those that are? Let's go to Jesus and ask Him for His strength. Would you pray with me right now? Holy Spirit, would you come in this moment? Jesus, I pray for the young man who comes to church every weekend and every Sunday night finds himself to be a slave to his computer. I pray that this weekend, he would feel the hand of God on his shoulder, and then instead of turning to a screen, that he would turn to his Savior, wrap his arms around him, and hold on for dear life. Jesus, I pray for a young couple who comes here every weekend, desperately wanting to be pure but falling short. Weekend after weekend after weekend. I pray that they would know that the purity of Jesus is available for them. That they can be pure, washed white as snow, forgiven and set free. That they can live a life of holiness until such time as you bring them together in the way that you designed marriage relationship to be. God, I pray for a woman who is tempted this week to leave her family and go do her own thing. I pray that she'd run to you and find healing for her soul. God, I pray for that businessman or woman who in these desperate economic times just wants to cut a corner so bad. Lord, would you give strength and courage to make holy choices this week. God, for the child who's tempted to rebel, I pray that they would pray to their heavenly Father, that they would yield fully and completely to you. That they would reach to you, touch you, hold on to you. God, that they would make a decision between the temporal and the eternal. And that they would make godly choices this week, not rebellious ones. So Father, for every person facing temptation, may they know your hand, your strength, your courage, and your presence. And at the end of this week, may we be able to look back and say, I walked with Jesus, and Jesus walked with me. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.